0: I got a motel room. Well, I'm glad you're here today, and I'm going to start uh, a message today that's, that's good and important. But today I want to do something different, and this is kind of off the cuff. But I want Pastor Brad to come. He's going to show you some pictures and tell you about what happened this weekend.
1: For those of you who were here last week, do you remember what I talked about at all in the message? Probably not. That's all right. Hey, who said that first? Oh, you cheated. You don't know what I was talking about. Cheating back there. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, remember last week was the day of Pentecost, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly. And we talked about the suddenlies of God, and we got to believe God for the suddenlies of God. So we go every year, a buddy of mine from high school, we go every year on this bow fishing trip up on the Missouri River with a guy by the name of Marlon Weeble House, Wiebel House Guiding. This year was our 24th year of doing so. And so we got a little bit of history with it. And he lives up, my buddy lives up in North Dakota, has a bee business. So this is our one chance a year to get together for a couple days and just spend some time together. No doubt a best friend of mine, interestingly enough, he came to know the Lord on his own. I don't even know exactly where. And we both kind of stumbled into the fact that we both are saved and love God. And now we really... Even have that much tighter of a relationship, but anyway, we are up bow fishing, and it's just an excuse to get together. Shooting the fish is just a bonus and a lot of fun. And does anybody know what an Asian bighead carp is or a Chinese bighead carp? Okay, of course Lonnie does. Some of you do. They they infiltrated the Missouri River system ten, fifteen ish, maybe a little more than that years ago, and they grow super rapid and they get huge. And therefore, the bow fishing industry really took off because these things don't bite on a hook. They eat the same thing the paddlefish do. You have to either snag them or shoot them with a bow. And so people really have hammered after them. They've gotten real big. Uh, State record, I think, is 68 pounds on it, but that was shot in a lake. And now you hardly ever find a big one because it got so popular. So, again, we went up just for fun. Let's show them that first picture to see what an Asian bighead carp looks like. 47 pounds, hands down the biggest one ever shot. About 10 years ago, I shot one that was 42 pounds, and that was one of the biggest ones that had been shot to date kind of thing. It wasn't the state record, but it was one of the big ones. And what was ironic about it is we were at the boat dock on the Nebraska side, and we went to take a leak and all that good jazz, and as we're walking back down, my buddy and I were talking about, you know, the weather today is just like that day when you shot that 42-pounder. It was overcast, rainy, kind of windy. We jump on the boat. We don't even float 20 yards. And here comes a big one. And we, we knew it was big, but we didn't think it was that big. And I pop it and pull it out of the water, 47 pounds, which to most people, who gives a rip? It's a big fish, pretty cool, right? But my mind is blowing, going, oh, my gosh, you don't even hardly see a big one anymore, let alone we just talked about it. So later in the day, we float down to a different spot. And my buddy, seven, eight years ago, that's probably only been about four or five years ago, had shot an albino one. Now, does anybody know what an albino, anything is, albino fish, deer, whatever? It's, you know, completely no pigment, no color. They're, they're, they're almost translucent, see-through them kind of thing. And we hit this spot, and we start talking. You know what? This is that exact spot where you shot your albino ones a few years back, less than 10 seconds, probably closer to 5 seconds, and we spot an albino big head carp. and That's the next one, 28.4 pounds. Now, what's more amazing about this thing is it sticks out like a sore thumb, bright gold, big big blob of bright gold in a brown, murky water. There was a bow fishing tournament the weekend before, three days ago, 35 boats, 35 boats, probably 70 guys or more that know exactly what they're doing, what they're looking for. How did that escape them? How did that get by them? And it just it just blew my mind. That he, and then let alone, how does one even survive enough years to get to 28 pounds? Because even at 10 pounds, this thing's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Somehow I got to 28.4. We shot this thing and... I, don't, you know, I get buck fever where you start shaking after you get a big deer or whatever. I, I've never done that with fish, but I was shaking. And for like the next two hours, I was beside myself, not because I had just shot a once-in-a-lifetime fish, but because God is blowing my mind on how he can do what he does. And suddenly, bang, there's a trophy fish of a lifetime. I don't know if it's one in a 500,000, but it's probably closer, more to like one in a million to get something like that. I know of about four other ones that have been shot. There's probably been more than that. But if you knew how many big head carp were in the river system, you do the math, I'll bet it's closer to one in a million. Now am I up here blow, tooting my own to- horn because I got the big fit now? We're out there on a two-day excursion. I don't pick up the bow but twice a year on those two days. I'm no expert. I haven't been putting in the time. That's God. And in Ephesians 3.20, let me go there and read it to you. Something about getting up here and you, you can't. Yeah, I'm going to have it mounted. I'm, I, I'm still, if anybody knows a good taxidermist, I'm looking for one. I'd like to get this mounted. But actually, the joke was when we shot it, because he's mount, he mounted that 42-pounder for me, and that was the first one he ever did. And they are a nightmare of a fish to mount, just a nightmare. You have to cast the head. There's no forms for them because they're still fairly new. People aren't mounting them. They're not a trophy neat fish like a big. 20 pound walleye it's nothing like that guys aren't avidly seeking these things if anything they're a nuisance and they're, they're detrimental to the river system the game and parks would love to see them just disappear but there's literally no way to get them under control now but so Ephesians 3.20 says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us we went to go on a bow fishing trip for fun to have a good time, to reminisce, and shoot some fish. Just really it's the excuse to get together so I can, my buddy and I can get together. And really the guide has become a great friend as well, and the three of us have a blast. So the bow fishing is the excuse. Never once did I ever even cross my mind or care. It's not like I was avidly seeking a fish over 40 pounds or anything like that. But not only to get a chance at a 47 pounder but then later in the day we come across this albino And let me take the story a little further we shot at it and we missed it we blew it dusty just barely nicked it thought that was probably enough to completely ruin our chances of ever getting that fish and Marlin, with his experience knew that a lot of times when he had seen albinos in the past he could come back day after day and they're still there And they seemed to hang out in the same spot. So he said, tomorrow we'll try it again. But, you know, you hit it. It could be dead. It could be hidden. It could have ran for the hills. And we come back that next morning, first place we headed to, we got on the boat, drove right there, got to that spot. And immediately, what do we see? Like, immediately, what do we see? The big old shiny yellow blob up there. (laughs) And we drove right up and got an opportunity to stick them and get them. So it's, again, it's just a big dumb fish. That's all it is. And I get that. I mean, that, to me, it is a trophy that way. But what blows my mind is the exceeding, abundantly above. I went to have a good time fishing and reminisce with friends, and then God does this. And for two hours, I sat in that boat trying not to break down and cry in front of a couple of guys because it just, <laughs> it just blew my mind how God goes so far to just bless us. And that's just fish. I've got some other things going on in my life that are interesting and, and big, important things. And that's what he's teaching me. I can do this. Look at that. Two things in a row, right in one day even kind of thing. You don't think I can handle that? Yeah, exceedingly abundantly above what I'm even asking for. Amen.
0: I want to read you a scripture, in, and it's from Matthew 4.19. When, when I knew about this, and this morning this scripture was quickened to me, it's, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Amplified says, come after me as disciples, letting me be your guide, and I will make you fishers of men. But this is the message translation. Come with me or come with Jesus. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but they simply dropped their nets and followed. And see, I I don't think things like that are just coincidence. I look at, at it as prophetic. What God is going to do with all of us. Individually and corporately as a church. We're going to catch some big fish. Amen. Let's stand our feet today. I don't, where's Abe? They're on their way to a college visit, aren't they, in Tennessee? Where are they going, Caleb? North Carolina. And so um, I will lead worship today. No, I won't. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord God, that the thoughts that you think towards us are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us a great future and a hope and expected end. And so today, Lord, we purpose to enter in and to, to worship your Son, our Savior, our King of kings, in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Slide. Died all his wings, I fortress and our stream, I fortress.
0: Glory, glory, glory. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Kathy. I have a couple quick
3: announcements. Don't forget, this starts June 1st. If you want to get those, they're out there. This is a great book. Make sure that we've got some copies of that out there. And then um, last fall we ordered some of Mario's books on The Fire and the Glory. I reread it. It's more relevant now than it was six months ago. So if you don't have that, I would encourage you to get that. We have them back there. And if you do have it, I would encourage you to read it again. Um, Next weekend is the Christian Cross Festival. Uh, Just want to encourage you, if you're interested in that, to participate in that and they do need some more volunteers so if you're interested you can get a hold of me after the service and i'll give you the information on that um next wednesday this wednesday we have prayer next sunday is donut day and uh 9 to a quarter till 10 um it was that and then i think you got a a message this week on save the date for August 7th. And I want to talk about that just a little bit. See the lady back in the corner years ago, she led our children's ministry. And she started and developed a thing we called Jesus Day. Instead of like a week-long vacation Bible school, we did a one-day children's extravaganza. And we did it for years. And then we've... We haven't done it for a few years, but we're going to redo it. We're going to do it again this year. And it will be on August 7th, Saturday, August 7th, from 9 in the morning till about 2 in the afternoon. And what it is is it's a day to bless the kids, to let them have fun, let them fellowship together, and it's it's for evangelism. What we do, this is the cool thing. We would get 60 to 100 kids maybe and – and then we'd do the, all the fun things and and then we'd have a message and give them an opportunity to get born again and and when our son first started dating our future daughter-in-law we wanted to make sure she was born again wanted to make and she came out to church and she says well I came out here one Saturday and they had an altar call and I came up and asked Jesus into my heart so you never know what what, how you 're going to affect it affected our life a lot so um, so what we 're going to do is give you time this week to look at your calendars, make sure you 've got that day open if possible, and then we 'll start next week we will have a sign up sheet we need we will need help and because it 's fast and furious and fun and lots of activity and so we 'll have a sign up sheet if you would like to help with that and then as the weeks go, we will go over that and make sure everybody, we know what we're doing. And But the main thing we need to have you do is invite kids. And we, we always have prizes for those that invite the most kids, and, and we'll talk about that. But we just want to get a lot of kids here. And we can easily handle up to 100 So your job, your primary job is to invite kids. And like I said, we will get all the information to you. Just make sure you mark that down and plan for that. So that's it for announcements. If you would open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I did not know Brad was going to share that this morning. But this is the scripture I had for today. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek them. We live in a a world that is kind of down and out and sad and angry and thinks God's mean, and he's not. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek them. And we are entering into a period, this has been a week of victory. We had victory down at the Nebraska State Legislature when we brought back up that Convention of States. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Senator Flood. That was a victory. Brad had a victory. There's lots of victories you see starting to pop if you watch Flashpoint or the unmainstream media. Okay, if you so, so God is a rewarder, and we have to have that religiosity teaches that He's mean and we should be down, you know, and, and humble. Humble doesn't mean down and out, it means just not filled with pride. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seeks him. He reigns on the just and on the unjust. He desires that all men be saved, but he does not reward the unjust or the evildoer. We have to get that thought. He does not reward those that diligently seek the reward. He rewards those that diligently seek him. So we need to keep that in mind. So God is a rewarder. And then I want to just a little mom talk. One of the things that I have seen through the years where people miss it is we live in a world that thinks you have to, it's a work-driven world, works, works, I have to do this, reward-seeking world. Sometimes the thing that hinders our faith is the most is that we're just tired. And so you need to make sure you not only rest physically, but in, you know, Psalm 23, it says, he restores my soul. So we need to take time to have our sto- souls restored. So take today, take tomorrow, do something fun. We had a woman, year, wise woman years ago, and she says, after you've been through a battle, go look at something pretty. It Pretty to you might be a race car, pretty to you might be a fishing stream, pretty to you might be a flower bed. Whatever's pretty to you, go and look at it and allow God to restore your soul, because God wants us to be full of joy and not heaviness, and God's the victor, and he's rewarded those that diligently seek him. Ushers, you may go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
0: I heard, if you need an envelope, raise your hand, otherwise, Ushers, go ahead. I heard... uh one fact, don't let me forget Mike Plain, June June, June 13th, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Mike Plain will be here. Mike Plain was a pastor for years in Yankton. He was a pastor over in Iowa for a number of years, and then he was in a large church down in uh, Missouri, St. Joe, and now he's in St. Louis. And uh, we've had him in before, and, and he's not only a, a great minister, he has an apostolic gift, but he's a good friend. We've known him for many, many, many years. So please mark down on your calendar. Support the gifts that that God sends us. Amen. And so remember that. And uh, Lonnie will be fishing in a tournament next week. Lonnie, go have Pastor Bradley hands on you before you leave if you want to win, Amen, Amen. I want to share with you today, and and uh, I'm glad you're here. And I, sometimes I get a little irritated with God. Anybody ever get irritated with God? Uh, Wednesday morning, I was uh, in here and uh, praying, and if some people. If they would hear me pray, I always make sure the doors are locked. Because I'm very loud. <laughs> and I was especially loud Wednesday. And there was a there was a scary anointing on my prayer. And I don't get scary anointings a lot. I mean, it's the fear of God when, when God comes down like that and you're praying. And I sat down in the chair. And the word of the Lord came to me. Such a time as this. And I knew where it was from. And I want you to look in your Bibles to Esther, the book of Esther. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, right after 2 Chronicles. I'm going to, I'm not going to teach out of the book of Esther today, but I, I want to give you an overview because I want to set this scripture up. Because I believe the Spirit of God was communicating to me And to us as a church body, a specific word. And I believe this word, for such a time as this, I'll read to you the scripture here in a minute. For such a time as this, is prophetic. And it deals with destiny. Everyone say destiny. And and the reason I was upset with God is I think why God do you give me messages like this when I want everybody to be here? That's just the preacher in me. Because when God speaks to you, he he I want he wants you to share it. And I thought, why do you pick Memorial Day weekend? You're God, and I'm not against. I'm all for camping. <laughs> I'm all. For doing fun things. I want you and your family to, you can be gone on a Sunday and go do things, in the, but if you're gone every week, you'll see me. I'm pointing at you. I know you are. I can pick on you, though, because you got broad shoulders. You won't get offended and leave the church. <laughs> and uh, so this is important to God this morning. And I'm thankful that you're here. I'm not going to get through the whole message. I'm going to give you one point today. But this this is about destiny. Say, I have a destiny. We all have a destiny as a church and and individually as a people. So I want to read to you just, just to kind of give you a background of Esther. I'm going to read it to you out of my Bible because it's very succinct and And it's good. It says, Esther is a study in the survival of God's people amid hostility. Does that fit today? Esther is a study in the survival of God's people people amidst, amidst, amidst hostility. Haman, the king's second in command, wants the Jews destroyed. I guess you could say the deep state. He manipulates the king to call for their execution. Esther is brought on the scene, and God uses her to save her people. Haman is hanged. Mordecai, a leader to the Jews in the Persian Empire, becomes prime minister. The feast of Purim is then instituted to mark their deliverance. A unique feature of Esther is that God's name is not mentioned. However, we can see the imprint of God in his ways throughout the book, especially in Esther and Mordecai's lives. From a human perspective, Esther and Mordecai are two of the most unlikely people to be chosen to play major roles in shaping a nation. He's a Jewish Benjaminite exile. She is his adopted orphan cousin. We can see Esther's spiritual maturity in her choice to wait for God's timing to make her request to save her people and to denounce Haman. Mordecai also demonstrates a maturity to seek God for timing and direction. As a result, he knows the right time for Esther to disclose her identity as a Jew. These restraints, which are obviously under divine control, prove to be crucial and testify to the book's spiritual base. Both Esther and Mordecai fear God, not people. Regardless of the consequences, Mordecai refuses to pay homage to Haman. Esther risks her life for the sake of her people by going to the king without being summoned. See if you just you don't just knock on the door and enter the king's residence. They make it their mission to save lives that Haman had planned to destroy as a result. Esther and Mordecai lead a nation into freedom. They are honored by the king and given greater authority, privileges, and responsibilities. The book of Esther, now listen, shows us a classic example of successful teamwork which we see in the way of Esther and Mordecai and how they conduct their lives. The relationship vividly portrays the unity that the Lord Jesus prays for his disciples to experience. The success of their individual roles, even their very survival, depends entirely upon their unity. Esther also shows us how God destroys those who try to harm his people. This reminds us that God is faithful to destroy Satan and that his sovereign purposes ultimately prevail. Now, would you put that up for me, please? This is the central truth I want you to see. It says, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Say that. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. You and your family have an important part to play in this new season. Harvest Church has a corporate responsibility, and you have a personal responsibility. Now, listen, to focus on fight for, and fulfill your spiritual destiny. Let me say that again. We need to focus on, fight for, and fulfill our spiritual destiny. God wants you and I to be aware of our times, our opportunities, and our destiny. So this is the threefold purpose. Number one, you have a part to play. Number two, you must discern the times and seasons of God. And number three, you have to see the big picture. Not the little picture, the big picture. Let me say that again. Say this with me. I have a part to play. I must discern the times and seasons of God. I must see the big picture. Amen. You can take that down, please. Now, look at uh, Esther chapter 4, if you're there. And I want to read to you verses 13 and 14. This is where Esther agrees to help the Jews. Now, you you ladies ought to read this. Because the women that were were... In the, the the run to be a queen, they what, what they do they just go all through the land and find the most beautiful women. and I don't get this how they could do this, but six months they had to get ready for this, so they bathed in all this perfume and they learned all, I suppose protocol. it's like a big beauty contest, but Esther turned out to be the babe. Okay, and it's just always cool how God works. But now she's dealing with, you know, her uncle because he recognizes something's going to have to be done or the Jewish people are going to be wiped out. In verse 13 it says, And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Oh, I love that scripture. Who knows whether you have, Esther, come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Well, good old Esther. And then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Esther could have kept her mouth shut and just been queen, but she decided, no, I've got a destiny to fulfill. My people need to be saved. So I'm going to do whatever I can to save them. You know, thank God for strong women. Godly women. The, women, the Bible's full of women. You know, we, we concentrate on men. You know, there are some ministers that won't let a woman behind the pulpit. Shame on them. Because I'll tell you, there's some women out there that got their act together more than even men in the ministry. And Esther was one of these women. And so what I want to do is, I'm going to go through here. We're going to go through these three things that I talked about on our purpose. Let me make a statement to you. Your destiny depends on you and the decisions you make. Your destiny depends on you and the decisions you make. Those decisions can have a profound effect upon others. You need to recognize that you do have a spiritual destiny. And I looked up, tried to find a good definition of destiny. I'll, I'll give you a few here. I found a few Here's one. It says, the seemingly inevitable or necessary succession of events, the power or agency that determines the course of events. Do we not have a power behind us that's determining the course of the events of this nation? Here's another one. That which is predetermined and sure to come true. I like that. That which is predetermined and sure to come true. See, I want you to understand, if Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, then you have a destiny in Him. You have a destiny. I have a destiny in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you a story, and I, I don't know if this, I guess it's, it has to deal with destiny, but uh, my cousin, my cousins are all older than me, they're 10, 12 years older, and my folks had me late in life and her folks had her late in life so we should be in our 70s and I'm glad we're not there that's destiny yeah and uh so my cousin came and he brought his wife and and uh they spent the day and and uh they told us some stories i'm not one to sit around all day and just visit with the relatives anybody relate to that Thank you. Thank you, brother. I mean, I want to do something. I'm not going to sit all day, but I got my attitude in check. And I heard five stories from my cousin and his wife that I wrote down. You're going to hear one of them today. It's a remarkable story. This was her great-grandfather. And uh, she learned about this from her grandmother i think uh her great grandfather many many years ago was uh going to come to america and uh the night before the the ship sailed he was in a game a poker game i don't know if they didn't play poker back i don't know what they played back then but he was gambling and he must have had a little too much to drink and he woke up the next day and he missed the ship guess what the name of the ship was the hindenburg not hindenburg that's the next part the titanic thank you i'm getting ahead of myself so he missed he missed it wow would you say that's destiny <laughs> i'd start i'd say well maybe god has something he wants me to do well he came to america on another ship and he went to live in Stromsburg, Nebraska, were Swedish settlement, and uh, f- to farm. Well, uh, he had a fascination with with wanting to fly around in one of them balloons. So he got on a train and went all the way back east to get a ride on one of them. What do you call them? There's another name. Well, that's, they're all, whatever, it's an airship. That's a good way to remember it. Well, he got there in time to watch the Hindenburg burn to the ground. Now, do you, do stop, stop, think about this. Titanic, then the Hindenburg. As far as I know, he went back to Stromsburg to farm and, you know, he should have stayed on the farm and listened to his old man. What song is that from? I'm testing you. Hilbert Grove, remember that? Hilton John, whatever. I should have stayed on the farm and listened to my old man. Now you got it. So, you know, by then, if I was him, I'd be thinking to myself, I'm still alive. Maybe God wants me to do something. Fascinating story. But I want you to know today, and I don't want you to take this lightly, And I, but I want it you to get it settled in your heart and mind that you have a destiny if you're young here today if you're really young if you're really young i want you to know you have a destiny i don't care if you're sitting on the back row you have a destiny belt and i i say this and i I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable but this preacher's always prayed this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, send us the people that will hook up with us, be like-minded, have the same vision, not be afraid to roll up their sleeves and go to work. And some of you people are here today because I prayed you in. You come from different backgrounds, different denominations, and I know maybe it's different, but you've got to have a a knowing in your heart, a sense, that you were destined to be involved in this wonderful time, this season of God. And I believe you were destined. And, you know, we're blessed we have neighbors, two neighbors that come to church here now. They didn't always go to church here. But did I ever knock on your door and say you come to my church? No. (laughs) Well, I don't like anything shoved down my throat. But I believe in relationship. And we had relationship with you far long before. Our boys had relationship with them. But I I want you to know that. I don't want you to get the big head. But I want you to to know that you're part of something big. It's like what's going on with the government right now in the state. You're a part of that. You're on the grassroots part of that. And that's important. But I want you to also know. And I I had this in, in here because I wanted you to understand this. It's your responsibility and my responsibility, and it's the church's responsibility to focus on that destiny, fight for that destiny, and then fulfill that destiny. It's not going to be easy, folks. It hasn't been easy. Last year wasn't easy. This year didn't go as we thought it would be. But we've got to continue to stay focused. Set our affections on things above and not be distracted by all the voices that are speaking and crying out in this hour. You and I have a destiny. Now here's the thing. Look at Psalms 139. I won't go too long and then we'll pick up next week. Then I want to share a little bit about my destiny. I'm going to be 64 years old. How old was I when I came to Norfolk, Nebraska? I'm looking at you because I can't remember. 25. Are you listening, Rhema person? You better be. He knows I get in his point my finger at him. Well, he needs it he's going to Bible school. and I'm trying to get him ready. But there's only really one thing that can get you ready, and that's called experience. Psalm 139. I want to read this to you because I want you to begin to have a... Just know in your heart how important you are to God. There are three things in that scripture, in Esther. And the first one in that scripture, I've got to find it again and read it to you. It says, in that scripture, verse 14, it says, Yet who knows whether you, say you, you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. I want to touch on three words, and that the first one is you. The next one will be kingdom, and then we're going to talk about the word time. So today, this morning, I'm just going to take a, a few minutes and talk about that word you. How important you are to God. How important you are to the body of Christ. How important you are to Harvest Church. Psalms 139, verse 13. Now I want you to, this is a beautiful passage, of scripture of David, Psalm of David. Oh, by the way, he does have a book in heaven, and you're in the book. I'm in the book. And in your book, they all were written, the day's fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Now, when you start feeling sorry for yourself, you read that scripture. And know that God knew you from the foundation of the world, and he had a plan and a purpose for your life. Can I have one week? Amen. That's so good. Jeremiah 29, 11. Just let me read it to you. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord of hosts, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, a hope, an expected end. I like that. For I know the thoughts. Say thoughts. God knows his thoughts, but do you know God's thoughts? How do you know God's thoughts? Thank you. Boy, I, good. His Word. You and I need to, if we want to discover our destiny, then you need to know the Word. And what's God's Word say about you? I just read you that from Psalm 139. I just quoted Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. That's personal. That's what God is speaking to you and I today. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope and expected end. Your destiny and my destiny is tied to God's thoughts. And if you do not know God's thoughts, you will not discover your destiny. Knowing God's thoughts and making decisions according to what he thinks about us is vital. Knowing God's thoughts, what's he think? What's he think about you? Well, oh, you're just a sinner. No, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, let me tell you about my destiny that started many, many years ago when I was Micah's age. It started long before that. Because a ch- as a young boy, I was always just wondering about God. I'd lay in bed at night and think about God. And then I'd also think about who I was going to marry. For some reason, as a young boy, I just thought, I wonder if I'm ever going to get married. I wonder what kind of wife. I wonder where she's at right now. Well, I found her. That was part of my destiny. But I always, and I can remember sitting on the doorstep after graduation, and I I believe it was junior college, and looking up at the sky and thinking, what do you have for me to do, God? What's what's my destiny? And I'll never, and I've told you this before, and I, I say this to caution you. Be careful what you ask for. Are you listening? Because I said this. I said, Father, I don't need to do anything big for you. But I'm willing to serve you behind the scenes. And why a college kid would say that, but it was my heart. I wasn't looking for a position. I was looking to serve. And my whole ministry has been, Kathy and I, we've never been, you know, we're not a mega church. We're not on TV. We've always been behind the scenes. But God accomplishes His kingdom goals with people that serve behind the scenes mention Mike Flood we're blessed to have him not everybody I've, people don't like him I've always liked him he says it the way it is and I like people like that but I'm telling you you know Mr. Jessen, there's people that have to work behind the scenes and they're not always going to be up front getting all the glory and this church in this community has always been that way We've never promoted ourselves. In fact, we go the opposite. We'll do everything we can. We just aren't geared towards promoting ourselves. If it's God, He will promote you in His due season. So it stands to reason, if my attitude and her attitude is like that, then we will have people join with us that are like-minded, that don't need to be up front Getting all the glory, being a showboat, but they're gonna be people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and serve behind the scenes. That's what it's gonna take. It's not, you know, what, in the days ahead, it's, it's gonna be brother no name. <laughs> I see, I, I, I watch Hank and I just shake my head. See, you, you didn't always know who he was. We did this church did because he came here, and now I'm you know, I, I watched that, and he, he was on the other day, and he was talking about his he was on Elijah's streams and talking about his hobby of trains. Did you see that? Plays with trains, his basement's full of trains, and I said to her, and even before he said it, I said, if ministers just had a hobby, they 'd last." In the ministry, but too many ministers burn out. And he's talking about his trains, and he and he brought up no sooner or later, he brought up he says, you know, pastors need to have or people in the ministry need to have hobbies. You do. You need to enjoy life. And if I didn't have the antique business, I wouldn't be here. Because I need something to motivate me. I've got a Jew on the inside of me. His name's Jesus. And I like to buy and sell. It's just the way it is. It's part of my destiny. She was part of my destiny. Business is part of my destiny. You're part of my destiny. I'm part of your destiny. I'll never forget, and I'll close with this. In 1985, about in there, we just moved here. And... Some of you don't even know what the city was like. <laughs> it was very dark and oppressed. Steve and Darla, maybe you do. I don't know. remember. It was just, just, the downtown wasn't like it is now. We didn't have District Tap. Oh, lighten up. And that other restaurant. Yeah. Isn't our downtown changed? Isn't it better? Isn't there more life? Isn't it look better? Amen? What was I talking about? My destiny is to remember. (laughs) We lived at 209 South Pine, right behind Merchants there. It was a rental. And it was 1.30 in the morning, and I was being attacked spiritually. And I thought I was, I, I mean, i never experienced fear like that, panic attacks. And I thought I was losing my mind. And I got up, and I can still remember where I sat. And the Spirit of God spoke to me a scripture, and I didn't even know the scripture. He just gave me you know the scripture in first samuel i'll I'll read it to you and he told me some things that's when he told me sooner than you think must be prepared no fear see god's not in fear and strategy and then he gave me this scripture i'm talking about you've got to know if you want to know your destiny you got to know you got to think god thoughts you got to think the word of god you got to know the word of god and god was so gracious in giving me this scripture in 1 Samuel, let me read it to you. It's a very short scripture. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. Now, who was Samuel? A prophet. Now, thank God I was mature enough to realize I wasn't called to be a prophet. Because you could have read that and thought, well, I'm called to be a prophet. No, I'm not called to be a prophet. But how Mike Gardner grew. And the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. What's that mean? My words that I declare and decree will not fail. But the important thing was this. That brought me assurance. The Lord was with him. Get a hold of that thought from God. That word of the Lord. Say God is with me. He's with you. He's with me. And he'll let none of this scripture applies to you. He'll let none of your words fall to the ground. Amen. That's the truth. Then he gave me. Look at this. And then then this is the last scripture. But I'm sharing this because I want you to realize this isn't God's no respecter of persons. There are scriptures and thoughts there just for you in the Bible. Elena, get a hold of a scripture and, 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 and spend time with God and get a scripture. And God will give you a scripture that will help you for the rest of your life. You, you young people, get a hold of the word of the Lord. What's God speaking to you? He's speaking a lot of things to you probably right now. But if you're going to last in the ministry, if you think you're going in the ministry, I, do, I really think you are. You better know who you are. You can't let the devil beat you up and tell you, oh, you're this and you'll never accomplish this. and not a... He's a liar. But if you, don't, if you don't have a grasp on the word of God and have a scripture that you're standing on, let me tell you something. Not everybody that went to Ramah is still in the ministry. Vast majority never made it. You'll make it. If you got, if you get anything from me, if, if I never see you again, after you, uh, you're welcome back after you graduate. There's one thing I want you to get from me. I'm going to give you a word. Are you going to remember it? Attitude. You better have an attitude. You stay humble, but don't give in. Don't give up. Amen. Stick with it, stick and stay, and it will pay here's the here's the scripture in psalm one thirty nine no that's not the scripture what they tell you psalm said i'm just going all over the place today. Let me find it yeah, here it is psalm seventy eight This is the other scripture that determined my destiny that was given to me by Nancy Gray prophetic years ago it says he chose David his what are you there Psalm 78 verse 70 he chose David his what servant what did I just tell you that I sat on my doorsteps and said God I don't need to be out front and get all the glory but I'll work behind the scenes I'll serve you And took David from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young, he brought him to what? Shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. David had a destiny. He started as a shepherd. He became a king. I became a preacher. I became a shepherd. I followed for a period of time, and that's the other thing. If you don't know how to follow a leader, you'll never be one. Don't forget that. You learn to follow. You learn to serve. And if you're faithful, God will make you a leader. Amen? So important. So much good stuff in this. and we're, We got to unhooked today. Let's stand up. We're talking about you today and your destiny. I'll read these scriptures over you because this is you. This is about you. If God be for you, who can be against you? The apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That's you. But the anointing in 1st John, which you have received from Him abides in you. Say, I have the anointing of God It abides in me. Another scripture. I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Say, I have authority. So, you know, here's another one. This last one. There's many. And the Lord will make you, just like he makes you fishers of man. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. That's attitude. That's what I mean by attitude. Is knowing who you are in Christ. Say, I have a destiny in Christ. I will fulfill my spiritual destiny. Amen? Just know how much You're appreciated how important you are to the Father, how important you are to Kathy and I, how important you are to this church. Amen. Is there anyone here today you need prayer for your body? I don't like to close service without if you're sick and you need prayer. You're limping. Back or leg? What is it? Did Lonnie kick you? She kicked Lonnie. Lonnie probably needs it. Okay, let's, let's put our hands. The Bible says we can lay hands on the sick. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak to this leg. Healing, health, and a supernatural recovery. I command every tendon, ligament, muscle to be relaxed in Jesus' name. Pain, go. Stiffness, go. Thank you, Father God. You said it, we could lay hands on the sick. These are our hands. So we expect you, Father, to to watch over your word to perform it. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Amen. Well, we got some more good stuff on destiny. And I want to get, we'll we'll pick up next week where we left off. Any other thing? Who's going to be here June 13th? Mike Plain, when's the children's? First through sixth grade. How many of you know some Rugrats? Amen. Just get the Culver's ice cream and ring a bell. They'll come. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.